Welcome to Dominating Your Investments, a podcast where you can learn about stocks, personal finance, and creating generational wealth. I'm your host, Dom Rinaldi. In our first episode, I introduced you to my favorite company to invest in, Palantir Technologies. I promise we'll continue our series on Palantir, but I also wanted to start a series of episodes alongside it with my second favorite company, NVIDIA. There are many similarities to how NVIDIA and Palantir continue to innovate, create new technologies for new industries that become new revenue streams for each business. In the first four minutes of this episode, I talk about the new technologies NVIDIA announced last April at their GTC conference, specifically their NVIDIA Omniverse, a digital universe for enterprises to interact with each other. We then take a tour of BMW's Omniverse factory, where we hear from Dr. Milan at BMW and CEO and founder Jensen Wong at NVIDIA on how this saves BMW over 30% of more efficient planning processes. They have created over 30 digital factories globally within the Omniverse. I apologize in advance for the bad audio on the factory tour, but you can go to the Pounding the Table YouTube channel if you prefer to see the Omniverse in action and hear the tour better. In the second part of the episode, I'll go over NVIDIA's financials, discuss the future revenues we can anticipate from them, and see how they score on my World Changers scorecard. Let's dive in. And now let's look at their GTC Spring Investor Day conference. You can see here all the scientists that spoke at the GTC conference. Some at Facebook, Google, Coursera, Adobe, Pixar. These are a lot of big names. And then when you look at the leaders who are involved in different technologies and different segments at this conference, Adobe, Alibaba Cloud, Audi, AWS, PayPal, Pinterest, NASA, Facebook, Twitter, VMware, Pixar, the list goes on and on. And so at the talks at the GTC conference, they talked about how they were innovating in artificial intelligence, 5G, IoT at the edge, quantum computing, speech and natural language understanding, self-driving cars, cybersecurity, digital twins, and robotics. That's a lot of new technology. So the new technologies from a product perspective were the Omniverse and Isaac Simulation, their Megatron and Drug Discovery Program, Quantum Computing, DGX, Grace CPU, Bluefield 3, Doka 1.0. Sounds like a lot of hieroglyphics. Even some of it sounds like Transformers. <laughs> but we'll go through all of these different implications and how they're affecting all of these different industries. Jarvis, Merlin, Maxine, Morpheus. Sounds like the Matrix. NVIDIA AI, EGX Aerial 5G, and DriveSim uh, Hyperion 8, and Atlan and Orin for their EV and self-driving cars. So what I like to do when going through an investor deck, if I don't understand something, I want to research it right away. So all I had to do was Google NVIDIA Omniverse and see what were they talking about. The Omniverse platform. So they're saying they're creating a new era of collaboration and simulation. So this is not impacting their revenues yet. You can see here that we'd have to download an open beta and they're still getting companies signed up. Uh, they do already have some different win cases and utilization that they shared at the conference, but this is not generating a lot of revenue yet. So for real-time collaboration powered by NVIDIA RTX technology. So how do they describe it? NVIDIA Omniverse is an open platform built for virtual collaboration and real-time physically accurate simulation. Sounds cool. Complex creator, designer, and engineering visual workflows are transformed as users and teams connect major design tools 
assets and projects for collaborative iteration in a shared virtual space. Wow. So this is the beginning of what we call the metaverse. The metaverse is a digital universe where people can join, commune, have fellowship, work together, collaborate. So this allows people to use different programs, live in different countries, work on projects together, providing real-time speed and offline quality in this simulated world. Look at all the different partners that are already participating. Adobe, Autodesk, Bentley, Cisco, Lightmap, Lenovo, the list of Dell Technologies, Pixar, so many. So we have here a couple different people talking about this, talking about how it makes it easier to create and collaborate and saving a lot of time. Think about this remote workforce world that we live in with having people collaborate in remote places. It seems like this could be a huge opportunity for revenue and new product launches that we haven't even seen or even could imagine. And who could have imagined this company actually doing this back in 1993 when they were just making graphics cards? This is what I look for when I invest in a company. I wanna see a company be able to show optionality, be able to mutate into a completely different company than we would have ever imagined. For so long, NVIDIA was been told as a hardware company. And now we're seeing them make software products that will allow them to make revenue with higher gross margins. Okay guys, we're about to jump into the Omniverse in a real world example with BMW. So before we begin, what is the Omniverse? So the Omniverse is a virtual world that allows companies to simulate real life, like whether it's building a manufacturing plant, building cars, operating processes within a manufacturing or factory. So it's all these different things that you're thinking about, even things as granular as, do we have the factory built in a certain way where uh, workers can actually have ergonomically correct processes and tables and functioning to where, where there's less accidents, less workman's comp, uh, more productive? Are they getting the time on the conveyor belt for all the different packages? So all of this can be simulated to then maximize efficiency and then put into real-time production. So, okay, let's jump in. BMW may very well be the world's largest custom manufacturing company. BMW produces over 2 million cars a year. In their most advanced factory, a car a minute. Did he just say a car a minute? So when you think about this, it's all about efficiency and having to make sure that mistakes aren't made that things are efficient and actually accurate and good performance so that we can have great cars produced out of timely manner. So let's see how the Omniverse does this. Completely in digital, simulated from beginning to end in Omniverse, creating a digital twin and operating a factory where robots and humans work together. Let's take a look at the BMW factory. Welcome to BMW Production Jensen. I'm pleased to show you why BMW sets the standards for innovation and flexibility. Our collaboration with NVIDIA Omniverse and NVIDIA AI leads into a new era of digitalization of automobile production. We are inside the digital twin of BMW's assembly system, powered by Omniverse. So you can see here, it's a digital factory. You can see it looks real as can be. The lighting, the, the textures, that's the ray tracing and 3D graphics, and then the 
automations and code uh, is around AI, which is NVIDIA's AI enterprise software suite with it. And so we're seeing them simulate what it would be like if they built everything as is in their, their blueprints and everything else in their processes and how they operate today in the factory. How can they improve those processes? How can they improve what they're doing to be more efficient? Global teams can collaborate using different software packages like Revit, CATIA, or point clouds to design and plan the factory in real-time 3D. The capability to operate in a perfect simulation revolutionizes BMW's planning processes. So what is happening here? So these planning experts are wearing a 3D suit, a real-life suit, going through and mapping the biomarkers on their body to see, is this ergonomically correct? Is this efficient if we put the boxes here should the shelf be higher so it's it's easier to get that that box uh, or is it uncomfortable? What is the faster time to put these parts together? So you can see how they can simulate and, and test through if then do this. Does this work? Is it Should it be faster? Should it be slower? And so they're testing it all out so they can be the most efficient from all angles of the business. So they have artificial intelligence that actually have artificial in the Omniverse, in this digital world, where they're going through and programming the processes of what they were capturing in that suit so they can monitor the efficiencies and what's going on. They're simulating exactly the real world in this digital universe and then measuring how efficient and how they're uh, executing to, to their goals and KPIs. This is incredible. Domain randomization can generate an infinite permutation of photorealistic objects, textures, orientations, and lighting conditions. It is ideal for generating ground truth, whether for detection, segmentation, or depth perception. Let me show you an example of how we can combine it all to operate your factory. With NVIDIA's fleet command, your associates can securely orchestrate robots and other devices in a factory for mission control. They can monitor in real time complex manufacturing cells, update software over the air, launch robot missions, and teleoperate when a robot needs a helping hand an alert can be sent to mission control and one of your associates can take control to help the robot. The scale and complexity of our production network requires BMW to constantly innovate. I am happy about the tight collaboration between our two companies. NVIDIA Omniverse and NVIDIA AI give us the chance to simulate all 31 factories in our production network. These new innovations will reduce the planning times, improve flexibility and precision, and at the end, produce 30% more efficient planning processes. Wow. So think of all the different applications that this can be done and used in, not just factories, even though there's tons of different types of factories, not just automobiles, but think about architecture and building uh, different designs for buildings, uh, trains, railways, subways, all the different kinds of things that have to be precise, that have to be just right. And you think about efficiencies and making sure that you're getting the most out of what you're building and what you're creating. This is applicable to so much more than just what we saw today, but you could easily see how Bentley and BMW are already on board. Why wouldn't Tesla and 
Honda and all these other car manufacturers want to also have digital twins through the Omniverse. All right, guys, this is the second part of the episode where it's uncut, raw, unedited, just my thoughts on the company off of what we have in front of us. Um, So I'd like to begin with just a statement from Forbes uh, stating this year as NVIDIA America's most important company. Uh, I definitely can agree with that statement between the hardware and the software that they're delivering. I do think that they are uh, the most important company of our time right now. Palantir could challenge us in the future, but for now, I would have to give that title to NVIDIA. And so what we're going to do is we're going to walk it through uh, what I call my world changer stock checklist. And so this not only has qualitative scores, but also quantitative. I know that I got uh, ripped on Twitter and some other different media around not having enough quantitative uh, data that uh, maybe the YouTube channel uh, tells too many stories of these companies. Let's look at the numbers. So uh, I definitely want to address that part of it first. Uh, And so let's look at the numbers that support this amazing story for NVIDIA. So the market cap, first off, in NVIDIA is $519 billion dollars with a B. So it's not a trillion dollar company yet, but as I stated, I don't know, maybe six months, nine months ago, I really think this will be easily a $2 trillion company uh, and, and probably surpass some of the giants in the, in the future. And so NVIDIA is a visual compute and AI global company. And so what does that mean? Well, they basically, as we saw in the first part of the episode, They create digital worlds for enterprises to work in. They provide a digital experience for gaming. They provide the hardware that enables all of the compute that makes this world go around when it comes to computation and data analytics. Everything needs compute. And they make the fastest compute and artificial intelligence out there in the world. And so um, it's a large market cap stock. It's been around for 23 years, Um, but it's also done fabulous uh, over that time of being a public company. And so the outstanding share count, 2.5 billion. It's a very liquid stock. A lot of people own it. It's in many ETFs, as we'll see. Um, There's very few people short on the actual stock itself, less than 1%. Uh, It even pays a dividend. And and I think Jensen does this just to prove a point that they are producing so much free cash flow that they can even afford to pay a dividend. Um, And they are providing results that are hyper growth results, uh, unlike most companies of this size. So it's been public 23 years. The one year stock return uh, so far has been almost 59%. And versus the market, that's almost 30% better than what the stock market has provided. Three-year stock return versus the market is 151%. So it is uh, done very well against what the market has done. And then if we take it even a step further and look at the five-year return over the market, over uh, 1,041%. So being over a 10-bagger against what the typical return of the S&P 500. So... 
just goes to show another example of the longer you hold a great company and you stay on top of it and you make sure your thesis is intact, you can have life-changing returns. And so the last 12-month revenue was $21.9 billion. Uh, the last 12-month revenue growth, okay, the growth rate of this company's revenue in the last 12 months, 67.6%. That is insane. You hear about all these different companies that are doing high growth uh, and high top-line revenue, but they're not large caps, or I'll call this a mega cap because it's actually a mega cap stock. Uh, at $519 billion. And so the last quarter revenue was $6.5 billion. And the quarter revenue growth on that was 68%. So not only are they growing uh, extremely fast compared to others with this kind of market cap size, but they're even growing faster as each quarter goes on. Uh, the future return on equity projections is 28%, which is much higher than the industry, which is like about 15%. Uh, analysts, I love this part because analysts don't always get, I'm not even going to say don't always, normally don't get the growth rates right uh, because they don't do enough due diligence and DD into all the possibilities with a company especially in tech, of new product releases, uh, all the different applications in different verticals and industries. And so their annual earnings growth projections for FY22 is 62%. Um, I think they're going to do more than that. And we'll talk about why with, with newer uh, product launches that are happening um, that, that have just come to light, some new technology that they've created that aren't even in customer hands yet. And then their, uh, I'm sorry, that was the earnings growth. So the earnings growth was 62%. So that, I don't know if it's going to go much higher. It depends on how much of the mix is software uh, versus revenue. So I do apologize for, for that. That is the earnings growth, 62%. The revenue growth is 54.5%. And I do think that that's going to be much higher uh, with what they have coming down their pipe. So the cost of revenue to goods is $7.9 billion. Uh, so that's the cost of, of everything they have to do to, to make their product and everything else to generate their revenue, $7.9 billion. This is a very profitable company. Uh, their gross profit was almost $14 billion uh, last tra trailing uh, 12 months. And their annual operating expenses were $12 uh, billion. And so a lot of that was in R&D, which we'll see, which is what I look for in investing in a company. I want to make sure they're innovating. I want to make sure that they're, they're putting money to continue to try new things and develop new products and solve new problems. They're selling general and administration expenses, which are their salespeople, their marketing. There's only $2 billion. It's really not a lot for a company of this size. Uh, the net income was $7 billion last uh, 12 months trailing. And last year's earnings growth was 107% doubled. And last five years annual, uh, annual earnings growth is 21.1%.
So they've been continuing to execute flawlessly as investors and the market has treated this as a semiconductor and a hardware company. They have completely transformed into a fully compute platform company and a large mix of their revenue being software and data center. And so their enterprise value to sales is 23.3. What I look for in these numbers is I look for, are they lowering as they get, as they progress each year? Are they getting more efficient with their resources and higher growth um, so that the valuation is even better? Their next trailing 12 months estimate is 18.7. So yes, that's a lower number. They're getting more profitable. They're getting more efficient. And that's what I want to see out of a company. Now, their price to sales ratio, this is this, the ratio you're going to look for in a lot of SaaS companies um, because a lot of SaaS companies aren't producing profits or it's not really enough to consider a price to earnings ratio. So we look at what is that stock price over how much their sales are? It's 23.6. That is lower than a lot of the SaaS space companies out there in the space today. Uh, I think Snowflake's like 50. Um, now, granted, this is not a fully software-defined company and probably never will be. But their mix is continuing to become more of a software game. And they're also creating so many new hardware technologies that they have them alternating every 18 months. And what I talked about in that video where they have uh, their CPU chips with their, their new gray CPU uh, and having different versions of that coming out every 18 months. They have their DPUs, which is a full-on data center on a hardware chip, which is the first of its kind. And then they also have their GPUs, their graphics processor units. So they have different markets, different chips, alternating release cycles. It really almost becomes like a reoccurring revenue stream because with each new version, the compute is so much higher and produces so much more of a return on investment for a company. They're losing to competition if they're not upgrading, right? And so... Their price earnings ratio is 74.3, which is really high for uh, any hardware company, but their forward PE is 49.1. So they're trimming that down very quickly with efficiencies, new products, hyper growth. Um, and we'll talk about some of the acquisitions that have, have also been catalysts of that. And their forward price to sales is 20.1. So we anticipate that to go much lower. Their earnings per share is $4.06, which is excellent. Their gross margin is almost 64%. For a hardware company, that is unreal. But as we said earlier, it's because of that software and also the efficiencies in how they design their hardware and how they manage the business fiscally that help drive those high gross margins. Uh, but they are developing more and more software products that are going to continue to improve those gross margins. And their operating margin is almost 34%. So going back, backing my point up, that they are very efficient in how they do business. Their net income margin is 32%. And their total debt is $12.7 billion. A lot of that is from the Mellanox um, acquisition, uh, which I believe is $11 billion. Uh, that is their 
enterprise uh, InfiniBand networking uh, company that really helps complement their full end-to-end -end hardware story uh, and moving into the data center. Their debt to equity ratio. So how much debt do they have to, to equity? It is very high. It's 56.5% compared to other hardware companies and even software companies. But they're producing so much free cash flow uh, that they're able to even pay a dividend. They can cover their debt very easily. Um, and we're going to see that debt to equity ratio uh, reduce um, unless the arm acquisition goes through, then, then the debt ratio probably will stay where it's at or even be a little higher. Um, I do hope that they get the arm deal, but all of their success that they've had up to this point and what they have on the roadmap really isn't focused around arm. So don't get discouraged if this arm deal doesn't go through. This company has so many more avenues to still grow and produce great returns for shareholders. I would not get hung up if, if that deal doesn't go through. If it does, it's just going to take them to another level uh, because they will then have even more of the server, CPU market, and mobile market. So stock-based compensation for a company this size of $1.7 billion, uh, roughly, if we round up, not a lot. I would expect a lot more stock-based compensation. Now, I know that would dilute shareholders, but we want to make sure that they keep their talent and that they keep them happy and, and keep innovating. Now, they do have one of the longest track records with having Jensen Wong, of course, the founder and CEO there, of being highly rated on Glassdoors and was actually Time's number one innovator of, of the year. Um, but the company cultures itself is is over 4.5 on Glassdoor and they have tons of ratings about how the culture and how you'd recommend working here and that uh, they really know how to keep their employees satisfied. So that's a sustainable business model when you have a great company culture and founder-led CEO. So the return on equity for them last 12 months uh, trailing, 40%. Excellent return on assets, 14%. Return on total capital, 6 I mean, the, the scorecard here is unreal from a financial perspective. Um, and I get a lot of this data from both Simply Wall Street, which is a great app. I highly recommend uh, looking at, at a subscription for that, as well as Coifin. Both of these apps allow you to see all of the financial data. They allow you to see the history of the company and different trends projected. Uh, and of course, also what the institutions are doing from an investing perspective. And they're very visual, so it helps new investors out. Uh, their short-term assets are 25.8 billion, liabilities 4.4 billion. Uh, I'm not even gonna go through the rest of their uh, scorecard here on, on just some of the financial pieces because it, it, it's across the board, we'll just say it's, it's phenomenal, right? Uh, I will go down here to the equity um, and ownership. The CEO ownership for Jensen, he still owns 3.44% on the company, which is amazing considering this has been around for so many years. And you look at the market cap size, I mean, it's almost $18 billion that he has of stock. And the number of ETFs that hold NVIDIA is 307. So this is very liquid. Everyone knows about it. I don't think everyone understands 
the versatility and the universalism of their products across different industries and how they're going to continue to change the world. I think they're still being boxed in as a semiconductor, a graphics card, maybe a data center company, but there's so much more that we'll talk about that are going to expand. And that's why I think there's a lot of similarities between this and, and Palantir. So institutional ownership. Now, this is where it's definitely different than Palantir right now. It's almost 70%. So institution smart money is there. Understand that Jensen Wong is one of the best CEOs in the world. Uh, the general public ownership also is there at 26.3%. And then we have even a little bit of government retirement funds having NVIDIA a part of that. Uh, and some private companies who've invested in NVIDIA in the past. Uh, and employee growth. This is one of the stats that just blew my mind. From year over year, from, from this year for, to last year, 38%. 38%. They almost have 20,000 employees now. And, and just to, to grow your population of employees that much, that fast, and to still put up the financial numbers that you're doing, it, it's just mind-blowing. And I don't think they get enough credit for that. So now that we've looked at the financial piece and we can see they are covering their debt fine, they're producing free cash flow, they pay a dividend, they have hyper growth revenue and margins. Now let's look at the qualitative side, right? When I look at companies that I want to hold for decades and, and have part of my retirement account, I want to make sure they're going to be world changers. And that's why I call the scorecard the world changer scorecard. Because I want to make sure that they're continuing to innovate, solving the most complex problems, but they're also not resting on whatever they created, but they're continuing to push forward and they're continuing to solve newer problems and that are applicable for everyone in the world, not just North America. So top dog, first mover advantage in an important industry, I score it a five. And so one to five, five being the best, one being the lowest. Uh, and then what we'll do is we'll divide that by 150 points and that covers each category. And then we'll see what our score is. Are they disrupting an industry or solving a new problem? I have to give that a five. They're in healthcare, genomics. Uh, they're in gaming. They're in the data center. And they're solving problems around blindness and gene sequencing um, autonomous driving. So yes, are they going after complex problems and are they disrupting other industries? Most definitely. Does the customer have a large TAM? That's your target audience market. Um, yes, they can play in not only the data center, but the consumer, mobile gaming. We look at what they're doing with healthcare uh, and their compute that they're offering up. We look at uh, their new data center in a box that they're offering. Uh, and then, of course, the autonomous driving that they're going to be a part of a, over 17 major manufacturers. So they have a large TAM and a large global market to go after because this is a global company. Are the problems they're solving global? Yes, we just answered that. So five, <laughs> are they challenging the status quo? Most definitely. They're challenging how do we provide faster compute and keeping things still more efficient, keeping costs down for company and, and getting enterprises to reach their business outcomes they're looking for with their platform, which I also believe is very sticky 
and also provides uh, a great network effect for them. Or I'm sorry, not a network effect, <laughs> a high switching cost. So as you can see, this is raw, uncut, unedited. Uh, company has a sustainable and competitive advantage via a superior technology, patents, moats, brand loyalty. I would say four out of five here. I did just not give a perfect score because I don't think any company is perfect. And really, the reason I gave a four is because there are a lot of startups that continue to disrupt larger companies and industries. So we don't know what the next 20 years look like from a compute standpoint. Uh, we do know NVIDIA has a lot of patents, a lot of employees, a lot of brand loyalty. But you never know when a startup could create a life-changing technology that would then take customers away from NVIDIA uh, if they do do that before being bought out by NVIDIA or another competitor. Uh, does the stock have past price appreciation for the last three years? We already saw that. Five out of five, slam dunk. Is revenue growing 25% annually for the last three years? Yes, five out of five. Are gross margins over 50% and have a path to over 70%. And I said five because they're so close to 70% already and more and more their revenue is becoming through software uh, and artificial intelligence. Is the company a large cap, medium cap, mega cap, or small cap? Uh, this is a mega cap. So I gave it a one. Now you'd say, well, why is that a bad thing that it's a mega cap stock? The reason why it would not score uh, a positive five is that it is going to take flawless execution to continue to move this company and the stock price comparably to a small cap company. It is like moving a big ship. Everything has to be at the right precision, the right uh, propeller speed, you know, the engine, everything. And it takes still a lot of time to move that big ship. So it's not going to have a 20% overnight uh, appreciation, uh, but it is growing very fast, very consistently. So that's why I scored it a one because that is just something uh, to look at. But that doesn't make it a bad thing for the company. It just means it takes longer to reach those growth goals. Sometimes is the company profitable? Do they have a clear path to profitability? They're already very profitable. Tons of free cash flow, paying a dividend. Five out of five. Does the company have no debt? I gave it a two. So they have a lot of debt. And, and we saw that in the debt to equity rate, ratio. Why would I not give it a one? Because a lot of it is through acquisition. And a lot of it is good debt, right? It, it's debt that's generating revenue. They're not taking money because they need it. They're innovating. They're spending in R&D. They're continuing to build a stronger moat. So that's why I gave it a two. Um, because it is still debt, right? Does the company have a current value over two? That That's basically the current value uh, stock and uh, metric is really saying, do they have enough cash to cover and, and assets over liabilities? Uh, and you want at least two, really. They have a four, right? And when you look at how big they are, uh, having a four current value is is a massive. So they are very healthy, five out of five on that, that metric. Is the company company generating free cash flow? We already answered that. Five out of five. Is the company spending continuously on R&D and building out optionality? I gave it a four. 
Um, I think they could even still spend more, but they are spending about $4.6 billion, which is a lot. Uh, what I do like is the history of growing. It went from two, 2.5, three, 3.5, 4.6. So it, it's that continuing pushing forward and never being satisfied. I, I just love what we're seeing from NVIDIA and how they're innovating. Does the company have operating margin over 35%? Actually, I got to score that down one. Um, they don't. So it's 33. So we're going to have to give that a three, maybe even a two. Because they're not really there. So we're going to give it a two. They're, they're really close though. Good management, smart financial backing, proven CEO and founder led. Five out of five. I'd give that a 10 out of five. <laughs> um, has the CEO been in the, with the company 10 plus years? Yes. Uh, five out of five, because if they've been there more than 10 years, they're almost like a founder. You know, they're very committed, especially if they're, uh, their um, compensation shows that. Does the leadership team compensation align with shareholders? We're just going to get into this. So five out of five. And I want to read something from their analyst report here for you uh, around the alignment that they have for shareholders, because I think it's really great in their proxy statement they make it very clear as far as how they align um, their compensation for their executives. And you really want to see that, right? You want to take the time to look at this because if you don't know how the executives are compensated, you don't know if their agenda is maybe different than what a shareholder's is, right? And we want them aligned with us to further grow the company. So the executive compensation highlights reads, uh, our executive compensation program is designed to pay for performance. That's what we want to hear. We utilize compensation elements that align our NEO's interests. So that's our NVIDIA executive officers with those of our stockholders to create long-term value. Our NEO pay is heavily weighted toward performance-based at-risk variable cash and long-term equity awards that are only earned if the company achieves pre-established corporate financial metrics but capped at a maximum of 200% of target or 150% of target for our CEO's PSUs. For the last several years, our, uh, over 90% of our CEOs and over 50% of our NEOs target pay has been performance-based and at risk. And 100% of our CEO's equity awards have been in the form of PSUs only. So for several years, Jensen Wong's only been paid his stock, we obviously would expect that, but I love that it's like a sales driven compensation model for executives. You don't see that very often, right? So heavily uh, aligned with shareholders. And even during the time of COVID-19, they did not lower their goals and expectations for those executives. They kept the goals intact and that pushed everyone forward. And you can see the results that they've they've provided. So definite five out of five there. Does the company have high insider ownership? So that's where I gave it a two because Jensen has a lot for himself and I give him a four. Uh, Bezos, obviously that's about a four times the size company, but he has 9%, whereas Jensen has three. So I didn't give it a five out of five for Jensen, but for the overall company, it's only about 4.5%. And that's really shocking considering how amazing this company is, how devoted the workers are. Um, I would have expected that to be at least 10%.
Does the CEO have a long-term vision or view of the company? Uh, I don't think anyone would ever doubt that. Five out of five. Can the company add new revenue streams and mutate into a different company? It already has numerous times over five out of five. Does the company have reoccurring revenue model? That's where I gave it a three out of five because I think you can say yes to some degree because one, they have their software subscriptions, which is reoccurring, but also with their new compute chips, they're making it where you have to upgrade or else you'll be left behind uh, because the faster compute equals better ROI, lower costs, acquiring new customers. It's all a chain reaction of being able to uh, have a competitive advantage uh, in the industry and also being able to run the newest AI models and software. Does the company have high net revenue retention? Um, I said five here because they continue to expand and grow at a hyper growth. And we're not seeing a lot of customers leave NVIDIA, but instead we're seeing them give high NPS scores. We're seeing them uh, expand into other areas with their artificial intelligence and purchase other pieces of their data center uh, solutions. So I said five out of five there. And that, that you could debate for sure. Um, this is my personal checklist. You can definitely score it how you would want to. And, um, and it's not perfect. It's just to give me a perspective of, is this a world changer in my opinion to potentially invest in? Does the company have high internal employee satisfaction support of CEO? I said five, we saw that in Glassdoor. Does the company have a strong brand appeal and awareness? I said four, because if you went to your typical, you know, person walking the street and you said, do you know about NVIDIA? They'd be like, hmm, never heard of that, right? Um, but if you look anywhere in the gaming, uh, entertainment industry, uh, in enterprise, you know, everyone knows about NVIDIA, right? And you could probably even score that maybe a three if you wanted to be really harsh on that. Is the company considered overvalued by analysts? I said five here because the expectations and the growth rates they're providing are, are conservative. I think a lot of them say it's overvalued when they look at the P.E. ratio and we see them talking about how high it is and how it could see another big dip. If it goes down further, then that's a great buying opportunity because the catalysts for the long term are astronomical with the amount of compute needs the world is going to have. Is the company playing in a future mega trend or current mega uh, <laughs> mega trend or current? Yeah, so we're going to say, let me say this again. Is the company playing in a future mega trend or a current mega trend in society? Examples, AI, cloud, healthcare, genomics, 5G, etc. They actually play in all of those uh, and they're enabling a lot of that. So five out of five, uh, which is a good sign for us, a good set of tailwinds. Uh, and will this company and what it's trying to achieve keep me interested to to follow for the long term? Hands down, there's so much to go over this company. I could probably do a podcast just on NVIDIA. So five out of five, we divide that by 150 points, uh, which totals up here uh, and divided by 150, we get 87%. 87% is an extremely high score on my uh, World Changers scorecard. Uh, I believe this is actually the highest scoring stock I have on this. Um, so I'm going to continue to perfect this scorecard. And, and uh, if you'd like me to make it available, you can definitely post that on our YouTube channel or on Twitter. 
And if you thought this was helpful to see both the quantitative and the qualitative side of a company like this, kind of in a deep dive format, let me know and we'll continue to do this with other companies. Um, and you can hear me definitely talk about NVIDIA and Palantir and others uh, on the FinTwit community. My, my uh, handle is at DominicRinaldi9. And I wanted to say thank you again for listening. Hopefully you've learned something uh, around NVIDIA and its future capabilities and opportunities it has. Uh, once again, this is not uh, investing advice. This is not telling you to buy or sell NVIDIA. Uh, this is just for entertainment and education purposes only. And I thank you for listening. Please remember our disclaimer. Dominating your investments should not be seen or heard as financial advice. This podcast is for entertainment and of opinion only. Please keep in mind that there are a lot of risks associated with investing in the stock market, so do your own research and due diligence before making any investment decisions. Dominating Your Investments is a podcast under the umbrella of the Pounding the Table podcast network, and we thank you for listening. You can hear more content from myself and other team members in our network on our Pounding the Table YouTube channel and podcast. Thank you for listening, and don't wait to start dominating your investments.